talking about kind of milestones and anniversaries, uh, my wife and I are, are kind of working towards later this year will be our 54th wedding anniversary, which is... Um, I know, I know. That's hard to grasp for you, isn't it? Yeah. The, in England in those days, you could get married in kindergarten. That's the bottom line. <laughs> That's, that's the bottom line there, of course, folks. Uh, marriage is an interesting thing. A lady said to me a while back, she, a lady said to me a while back, she said, you know what, we've been married so long, we can finish each other's sentences. And you know what I felt like saying? Yes, but don't. <laughs> don't, please don't. Just let him talk. Right, right. That, that, you, you know, there, 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 are certain, there are certain lines, you know, that I myself have heard several times over the years, like, um, you're missing out the best bit. I'll tell the story. <laughs> or, guys, did you ever hear? Well, that's not quite how I remember it. <laughs> Gets difficult, to it, doesn't it? There's a guy talked to a therapist once. He said, I haven't spoken to my wife in 18 months. Therapist said, why? He said, I don't want to interrupt her. <laughs> anyway, now that we've alienated all the ladies in the room, let's, um, <laughs> let's, let's move forward. Um, and let's talk about contradicting other people. We're, we're in a series now called Counterculture Christ. And what we've been doing over the last several weeks now is looking at statements that Jesus made that were absolutely flew in the face of common thinking in his day. And actually, we, we're, we're looking right now at a few verses in the fifth chapter of Matthew's gospel where Jesus wasn't just contradicting the common mindset of his time, but he actually said things that seemed to be diametrically opposed to the religious teaching that they had received over generations. In the fifth chapter of Matthew's Gospel, and here's where we're going to pick it up today, Matthew 5, verse 27 and 28, Jesus said this, You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her, in his heart. Last week, we looked at the statement Jesus made just before that, where, where he said, you know, you've heard it said you shouldn't murder, but I tell, I tell you this, that you shouldn't be angry. And what Jesus does in these verses is not that he is destroying the religious law that they'd been used to, the Ten Commandments given by God to Moses. But what Jesus was really doing was unpacking them a little further and pointing out that pleasing God was not just a matter of the action, but it was a matter of the heart. Luke 16, 15, Jesus said to the religious leaders, you're masters at making yourselves look good in front of others, but God knows what's behind the appearance. What society sees and calls monumental, God sees through and calls monstrous. 
That ticked them off. Here they were, and they were, you know, let's, here's the checklist. God said you shouldn't kill. Never killed anybody in my life. God says you shouldn't commit adultery. No, I haven't done that. So I'm okay. I'm good. Look at me. Look how good I really am. And Jesus says, listen, listen, listen. It's not just about not committing those actions. It's about what's in your heart, what's in your mind, how you speak, how you act, how you interact with others. Now, in Jesus' day, and, and right down from the law of Moses, adultery was seen as a very, very serious thing. In fact, so much so that what was established was that if someone was found guilty of adultery, they were stoned to death. So that put a lot of people off. But Jesus is saying, it's not enough that you're put off because you're afraid of the penalty. What's in your mind? What are you thinking about? What do you fantasize about? And it's not enough to say, I haven't performed the sinful act. What I'm looking for and what God wants of us is that God wants us to live lives with minds that are pure and with thoughts that are clean and with a heart that pleases Him. So that sexual purity becomes a way of life that impacts how we think and how we talk and what we look at. Listen, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to know we lived in, live in a messed up world, right? Okay, here's a bold statement I'll make, and um, my email is roger at genesisli.com. Okay? If, if you, if you want to take it up with me and disagree with me, um, but I'm right. Okay? The nuclear family is God's plan. Okay? The nuclear family is God's plan. He laid it out as soon as he made, as soon as he made Adam and Eve, God laid out the way that it was meant to be. Genesis 2:24. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Now I know there are all kinds of configurations of life in society today. And, and you know what? I'm, 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 not, I'm not putting anybody down, and I'm not passing judgment on anybody, but I am saying this is the plan. The plan is a man leaves his father and mother, is united to his wife, and they become one. But we live in a multi-value society which in many ways, though, is a million miles away from where God intended. Now, now, now if, if, if you grew up when I did, and some of you did, if you grew up when I did, we, we kind of came through what was meant to be one of the most radical decades ever, the 60s, right? Some of, some of you would have been growing up in the 60s, right? And the 60s were radical because it was like everything changed. The sexual revolution was part of the 60s. A lot of the old values were, were brushed away and, and, and were pushed to one side. And everything seemed to change. And it's like, I, I, you know, I can remember, I got a couple of, uh, I had a couple of, I was going to say old aunts. I guess they seemed old to me because <laughs> I was young. 
I don't know if they were old, but anyway, I had a couple of old aunts, and they were like, they would constantly, you know, you know be, be, be in despair about how awful things were now in the 1960s, how terrible they now were, and, and, and how you couldn't, the 1960s are like Sesame Street compared to today. <laughs> It's like, really? You thought you were radical? Oh, dear Lord. And, and you know what? The, the, the serious truth is this. It seems, though, from then on, that every moral taboo has been embraced and become totally acceptable. The countercultural Christ went against the tide in his day. And the way he wants us to live is going against the current as well. Jesus made it clear it's not enough to look at the list of Ten Commandments, come to number seven, thou shalt not commit adultery. Check it off, say, haven't done that, I'm good. That's not enough. If our thoughts are impure, if our pastimes are not God-honoring, if our conversation tends to be questionable, we are surrounded by all kinds of influences and pressures that can pull our thinking and, and, and some of our behaviors into ways that are not God-glorifying and, in fact, that we become ashamed of too. I was just reading a couple of weeks ago that the, the, the revenue for the American porn industry is $13 billion a year. In contrast, this was in 2021, the NFL's revenue was $17 billion. I've got this wrong. I think I missed out the zero. Is that, all right, let's start that again. The revenue for the U.S. porn industry is $130 billion a year. In contrast, the NFL had $17 billion, and Netflix was $29 billion. And the fact is, all of us are surrounded by influences that can destroy our values. Whether it's the lyrics of hit songs, the content of TV shows, or maybe even just the conversation of some of the people we interact with, the fight to live right is a very real one. But it's one that God wants us to win. I'll say that again. The fight to live right is a very real one, but it's one that God wants us to win. Amen. Right? But there's so much, so much pressure. The, the, um, when, I, when, I was, when I was a kid, I mean like nine or ten years old, we lived in a city, a small city, but life was different back then. So you'd go, so often on a Saturday afternoon, I'd go with a whole bunch of my friends and we'd go into the city center, and there was this place in the city center where it was this big covered market. And we'd go, we'd go into the market and, and look around the stalls, but there was one stall we were looking for because it was secondhand books. And there was one part of that stall we were particularly interested in, which was secondhand magazines. And there we'd be a few of us young kids and we'd wait till the bookseller was somewhere else dealing with some customer down there, and we'd have a quick look through the magazines and see if we could find, find a magazine with pinup girls in. 
Now, if you know what they are, you really date yourself, right? <laughs> we thought they were the most wicked thing ever. They were wearing bathing suits still. But for us, it was like, whoa, look at that, look at that, look at that. We live in such a different world nowadays. I, 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 I was, I was um, don't ask me why my mind goes to certain places, but I was thinking about that, and I discovered, did you know the bikini was not invented till 1946? The things you learn in church, right? <laughs> Bikinis were banned in Germany till 1970. We've come a long way since then. But it hasn't been good. It has, and that's the world we live in. And what we've got to be careful of is we don't get swallowed up, sucked in, tainted by the corrupt values of the world we live in. Not enough to say, didn't sleep with somebody I shouldn't have slept with. Not enough. Not enough. Jesus said, here's what we're looking for. Here's what I want. I want you to be thinking the right things. I want your mind to be clean. And he said, well, let me, take you, let me take you through this. Here's, here's, here's where I'm going to go. All, all right, so, so how do we do that? How do, how, do, how do we keep our minds pure? How do we keep our thoughts clean? How do we live a life that helps us look God straight in the face and helps us to look at ourselves in the mirror and still be proud of ourselves? And, and I'm going to tell now, I, I know some of you may say, I don't really come to church to listen to this kind of stuff. Well, you need to because who else is talking about it from a Bible perspective? Right? That's the truth of it. So, so the, there are five steps that I want to take you through. Five things you can do that are going to help you to, to, to live the kind of pure life overall that Jesus says he is looking for. Okay, the first is this. Start by reaffirm your priorities. Reaffirm your priorities. You know, the Ten Commandments, they all kind of sit together. They're not as statements that live in splendid isolation. They present an overall big picture. And they start with this statement in Exodus chapter 20 and verse 2. God said, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. So the very start of the Ten Commandments is this. I need to be number one. I need to be number one. And one of the things that helps us to keep our lives focused in a godly direction is we regularly reaffirm our commitment to God and to God's plans for us. We reaffirm our priority. My priority is nothing comes before or between me and God. Remember somebody came to Jesus and said, which is the great commandment? And Jesus said in Matthew 22, he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Here's what I want from you. Love God with everything you've got. In order of importance, God wants to be number one. God wants pleasing him to be a priority in our life. And if pleasing God 
is a priority in our lives, then everything else is going to work out in line with that commitment. And over the years, I've known too many church leaders and too many church members who have been sidelined because their priorities slipped. God first. God above everything. Matthew 6, 33. Jesus said, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Now, seek the kingdom of God above all else. What's the kingdom of God? Where is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is where God's the king. That was some thinking, wasn't it? <laughs> right? The kingdom of God is where God is the king. Jesus said, seek the kingdom of God above all else. And if God is the king in my life, then the kingdom of God is within me. And if God is my king, then everything that I do will be guided from that particular standpoint. Letting God be king. And everything else falls into place after that. You see, the danger is that evil desires sometimes pretend they're big. But they can derail us. And they will derail us if we satisfy them at the expense of our main desire, which is to serve Him and to please Him, to love God. What's the main thing? I want to love God. I want to be a man of integrity. I want to be an example for others. I want to fulfill God's purposes. That's what I really want. And in this context, I know this is preaching to the choir, but let me just remind you of this. That's why Sunday as a reset day is so important for all of us. Because we spend all the rest of our week out there in a world whose values are godless. And we can be influenced by them or tainted by them. That's the thing. I came in this morning and I, 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 uh, I sat on a chair in Charlotte's office. And uh, I didn't know it, but this chair. Those of you here last week, we all had Lay's, right? I don't mean potato chips. I mean, we did a Hawaiian theme, right? <laughs> so, so we had Lay's. And, and she, had, she had had some Lay's on this chair before. And they left all these little red pieces on the chair. So I'm sitting there, and I get up, and my wife said, you got stuff all over your back. And she couldn't brush it off. And so that's why I'm totally facing you, and I don't want you to see my back. <laughs> no. no, thankfully she had one of those lint rollers that got rid of it all. But here's the thing. Sitting on the chair, it means some of the mess from the chair ended up on me. Living in this world, some of the mess from this world will end up on us, which is why Sunday is an important day to reset. It's why we need to be together. It's why we need to get away from everything else and just focus on God for an hour. Sunday's a great day to reaffirm our priorities. Praise the Father, praise the Son, praise the Spirit, three in one.
right? Recognizing who God is and reaffirming it as we worship. Reaffirm your priorities. The second thing that's going to help you is this. Revisit your boundaries. There's a real kind of forthright statement in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 22. It says this, throw out anything tainted with evil, period. Throw out everything tainted with evil. Do it. We, 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 uh, we moved house about three years ago. Prior to that, we lived in the same house for 28 years. And um, we were blessed to have wonderful neighbors. And um, right across the street, a couple of houses there, one at our side. We were on a corner, so nobody this side. But, but amongst those four homes, they, we, we had real good relationships among the neighbors. Um, But here's the thing. You know what they say makes good neighbors, don't you? Good fences. Good fences. Like we all knew each other and we all interacted with each other to a point. To a point. But in the end of the day, this was where I lived and this was my house and this was where I went. And you know what makes us strong as believers is having good boundaries. That in some areas of life, here's how far I'll go, but I won't go any further. Here's something I won't get into. And you know what? It's important. It's important for all of us that there are perhaps, there are perhaps, and there should be places we don't go to. There are probably people that we're better off not hanging out with. There are conversations for sure that we don't need to get into. Or if we get into them, we withdraw from them as quick as we possibly can. Set boundaries. Revisit your boundaries. Am I getting sucked in? Have I let my defenses down? Have I lowered the bar? Ephesians chapter 5 verse 3 says this, Let there be no sex sin impurity, or greed among you. Let no one be able to accuse you of any such things. Dirty stories, foul talk, and coarse jokes, these are not for you. Instead, remind each other of God's goodness and be thankful. How about that? All right, here's more. Titus 2, verse 12. We're being shown how to turn our backs on a godless, indulgent life and how to take on a God-filled, God-honoring life. This new life is starting right now and is whetting our appetites for the glorious day when our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, appears. We're being shown how to take on a God-filled, God-honoring life life. Don't be pulled back. Don't be pulled back. Have clear boundaries. No, I don't get into that. No, I don't go there. No, I don't do that. Have clear boundaries. Don't be afraid to be different. Jesus was. You don't need to be liked by the whole world. The people who really matter to you like you anyway. But what we do need to do is we need to live lives that give us a clean and clear conscience 
before God. Revisit your boundaries. Third thing I want to say is going to help us live lives that are pure. Run from temptation. 1 Corinthians 6.18. Here's a simple statement. Run from sex sin. Don't get sucked into stuff that's going to destroy you. Run from sex sin. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.22, he said, run from anything that gives you the evil thoughts that young men often have, but stay close to anything that makes you want to do right. Now, Paul was writing to Timothy because he was a young man, and he's writing to the young Timothy, so he says to him, run from anything that gives you the, that gives you the evil thoughts that young men often have. If he was writing to someone who was middle-aged, he might have said, run from anything that gives you the evil thoughts that middle-aged men often have. Because our minds can easily be drawn to places that they don't need to go. And what we need to do in those moments is we need to run. I, I was, um, man, I'm kind of referring back to my history a lot this morning. Back in the 1950s, westerns used to be a huge thing on television. They were huge. Movies were as well, but on TV, there were all kinds of westerns, and I loved that. And, and you know what? It seemed like every week on one of the westerns, somebody got trapped in quicksand. <laughs> right? Some of you remember that, right? I, I mean, you know, that was bound to be a part of the plot in one of them on any given week. Somebody got, trapped, got, got trapped in, in, in quicksand. And you know what? Before I was seven years old, I had already learned the best way to get somebody out of quicksand. <laughs> I never needed that living in the southwest of England, but you never know, you know. <laughs> Still got plenty of life ahead. It might come in handy one day, you know. But, but getting to the place where they're, where they're in this and they're sinking and sinking and sinking and they can't get out. And you know what? Temptations like that, the longer we linger with it, the deeper we sink. So because I was, you know, I, I, this quicksand thing came into my mind, so then I, then I Google quicksand, right? It's like, does it actually exist? And apparently it does. Arizona's a good place if you're looking for some, from what I gather, <laughs> right? And, and, and here's what Google told me, all right? This is, here's Google's wisdom. I love this. I read this there. Your best bet for surviving quicksand is to avoid it. <laughs> well, thank you. Somebody made themselves very rich setting up Google. You know what your best plan for avoiding sin is? Avoid it. You know what your best plan for not getting sucked in by temptation is? Run away from it. Avoid it. Because it, 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 it starts as it's kind of a, a process. So temptation begins, and temptation may begin with a thought. And, and you know what? The thought itself is not necessarily sin. But then if you dwell on that thought, you go from temptation to contemplation. 
Now you're thinking about it, and you're thinking about, oh, I wonder if I did this, and I wonder if, I wonder if I put myself in that position, and I wonder if I tried. And suddenly you, you go from temptation, thinking, to contemplation, which is really giving yourself permission if, if, if everything's lined up. And then you go from there because, into activation. And most people sin because they rationalize it for a moment. They've got to the place in their heads where they've given themselves the okay. And you know what? Sin will often look really good for a moment. But as soon as it's done, it comes around to haunt you and to bite you and to torment you. One of the clear ways to keep ourselves pure as Jesus wanted us is to run from temptation. Run from temptation. The fourth thing, remove what's wrong. All right, so Jesus got radical here. Matthew 5, 29. If your right eye causes you to stumble gouge it out with a spoon and throw it away. I, I added the spoon. It doesn't actually <laughs> say that. And I probably shouldn't have added it because now you've got a grotesque picture in your mind that really put you off. But if, if so, so what Je now Jesus isn't here saying if you're looking at something you shouldn't take your eye out. I mean, he's not, obviously he's not literally saying that because apart from anything else, you pull out your right eye, guess what? In an ideal world, you've still got a left one. So that doesn't fix the problem. But what he is saying, what he is saying, if there's something that's taking you down a wrong street, get rid of it. Get rid of it. Be radical. Better to please God. In fact, Jesus says better to go into heaven with one eye than go to hell with them both. So it's not literal. But here, here, here's the thing. If something that you're holding on to, and you know what, it's, 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 it's pleasurable to you, it's enjoyable to you, whatever that might be, but if it's causing you to sin, if it's bringing you to a place you don't really want to be in, then you know what the answer is? Is you don't mess with it. Remove what's wrong, whatever that might be. It might be a relationship that's not going in a healthy direction, yet something inside of you is going, hey, I wish it would. Stop it. It might be sort of some social setting, some place you go to from time to time, and, but it never ends up well and you, you don't feel good when you leave. Stop it. Maybe places you go to on the internet and things you're looking at. One of, one of the big scourges of the 21st century is, is, um, is the whole sex slave industry. But you know what? Don't get all uptight about that if you're still watching pornography. If you want to help stop the sex trade, stop looking at porn. So. Remove what's wrong. 
be radical. Be radical. That's what Jesus said. And then, and then the, 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 the final thing I want to say that's going to help us to, to stay pure in the way Jesus, Jesus wants us to be is be constantly rebuilding the inner you. Build up the inner person. Be doing that. As I said earlier, we get messed up living in this world. About, I don't know, 15 years ago or something, I guess, um, 14 or 15 years ago, I bought a Mustang. And because uh, at some point in your life, every man needs to have a Mustang, all right? I mean, I, I mean that's, that's the bottom line, folks. So I bought this Mustang. I was so, I, I bought it from someone who'd had it a couple of years, had hardly used it, got it for a bargain price. And I was so, he had it like, it had everything, GT, and it had everything. It was like, wow. Wow. And then I stopped a week or two after I got it. On my way home, I stopped by Stop and Shop in Miller Place. I still remember where it was because I'm still bitter about it. And I stopped in Stop and Shop, and I went in to pick something up, and I came out, and there was a ding in the driver's door. And there was nobody parked by me now. I didn't know who'd done it. And suddenly, my beautiful, wonderful dream car, it's like, it's a piece of junk. <laughs> right? right? I mean, if it was the passenger door, I wouldn't see it so often. But it was the driver's door. Every time I get in and out the thing, I see the ding. And it's like, oh, dear Lord. Got messed up real quick. And we can get messed up real quick just doing, just doing life. Just doing life, which is why we need to build ourselves up. Psalm 119 and verse 9 asks a really good question. How can a young person live a clean life? Applies to older people too. How can a young person live a clean life? By carefully reading the map of your word. That's how you do it. How do I do it? By listening to what God says. Proverbs 6, 23. This command is a lamp. This teaching is a light. And correction and instruction are the way of life, keeping you from your neighbor's wife, from the smooth talk of a vineyard woman. What did I say there? A wayward woman. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate my wife finishing my sentence for me. Thank you, dear. But she was right. <laughs> Rebuild the inner you. Rebuild the inner you. If you're disconnected from God, if you're disconnected from God's Word, if you get disconnected from God's house, let me tell you this. This world in the ordinary course of life will suck you dry. It really will. We need to build ourselves up. We need to take every opportunity to be built up. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ, the message, have the run of the house. Give it plenty of room in your lives. Be hearing what God is saying over and over and over again. The religious leaders of Jesus' day said, uh, Hey, just 
make sure you don't commit adultery. And Jesus said, no, you've missed it. It's not about that at all. It's about living lives unhindered by temptation, by sexual sin. It's about living lives that are pleasing to the Father and that are pleasing to you yourself as well. But that won't just happen if we leave it to chance. There are steps that we need to take. Let's pray. And as we come to pray just now, I just want us to take a moment. And you might be here in, in our service this morning or watching us online. And where you're at is that life has pretty much sucked you dry. And this morning would be a good morning to open your heart to God. Say, God, I really need you. I need to really reconnect with you. God, I ask you to fill my empty cup and meet me today. Father, I pray you'd impart fresh life, fresh faith, fresh hope into hearts today so that we might live as you planned for us, and live lives that we can be proud of too. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Let's stand and sing with the band as we come to a close. Praise Him with thunder clouds.